Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's just that good. He's just that worthy. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I like what I feel in the house of God tonight. Amen. Amen. Y'all look so good tonight. I'm telling you, y'all look like y'all have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I appreciate this wonderful church. I appreciate your hospitality, your kindness, your responsiveness to the Word of God. I don't ever want the Word of God to get old. Because when you stop growing, you stop being responsive to the Word of God. You become stagnant. And stagnant water only breeds pestilence and problems. And a stagnant life is open prey for the enemy. But when you are in a, a, a continual growth, continually reaching for new heights in God, you'll fall along the way. You'll mess up along the way. But you're not satisfied with where you've been. You're looking for where God wants to take you. That's revival. That's revival. Well, I just want to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. Will you be open to it? Good. Amen. Book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. Appreciate your pastor and his wife. Their kindness has been outstanding. It's been an honor every time. To come stand in this pulpit. I appreciate the trust he has in me to follow the Holy Ghost. And I believe that tonight the Lord still wants to speak to us. Give us a little more direction. One more piece to the puzzle. First Samuel 15. I'll begin with verse 18. The Lord sent thee on a journey. This is Samuel talking to Saul. The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spool, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken in the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. 
And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then said, Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. I appreciate your patience with me. As I read the word of the Lord tonight, I want to preach to you on the subject, on the brink of obedience, on the brink of obedience, teetering to obey or to disobey. You're on the brink of obedience. Father, tonight we really need the help of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray for the Spirit of the Lord to minister in this house. God, your precious saints of the Most High are open tonight to the Word of God. They're hungry. They desire to walk in obedience to the Word of the Lord. I ask right now that you would help them be open to what you want to do in this service and let your anointing be upon this place in Jesus' name. Can we clap our hands to the Lord one more time? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated tonight. Some people have false ideologies, they have misconceptions. When it comes to the church. This isn't about a religious organization. It's not about a particular movement. It's not about pedigree. Your physical family has nothing to do with your spiritual family. I don't care if you've got every momo and popo and cousin. It doesn't matter. If they're all in the same church, that has no bearing on your relationship with God. This thing isn't about family. I know people right now that are only in the church because of their family. You're in it for the wrong reason. This isn't about family. This isn't about who's in church and who am I, who am I going to go to church to please. It's about God. You don't serve man. You serve God. Agrippa was challenged by the words of Paul in Acts chapter 26 to the extent in verse 28 after Great consideration, Agrippa told Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost you convinced me. And I tell you that Agrippa's words is the goal for every individual today to be a Christian. To be a Christian. Agrippa was on the brink 
of obedience, yet decided to reject what he felt in his heart. Before I'm a Pentecostal, before I'm an apostolic, I'm a Christian. Before you tout being a member of a certain organization, before you proclaim the name of your church, you first have to ask yourself, am I a Christian? That is the goal. That is what we long to be. To be Christ-like. Christian. Christ eon. Little Christ. Christian. That's the goal for everybody in the building. Is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, you must be obedient. Obedience is foundational in Christianity. To be a Christian. I pause tonight to address something that I've felt in the Holy Ghost for about a week now. And I will walk very carefully. I've never approached this subject from a pulpit, but God has stirred my soul over the past week in such a compelling way that I must address it. I will not park here. Don't get nervous. I'm not parking. I'm detouring. I'm coming back. But to be obedient, to be a Christian, you must be obedient to God in regards to giving in your tithes. Let me talk to the young people. That way none of the, none of the elders or the older ones think I'm talking to you. But let me talk to the young people. Amen. If you're even paying tithes yet on your birthday money, let me talk to you. And how about y'all just listen to me? How's that? But hear me, young people. As you get older, the enemy will try to get you to give off of emotion rather than facts of the Bible. Tithing is not based off of how you feel with the current state of the church. Tithing is based off the Bible. And you give to God. You don't give to a preacher. You don't give to certain. You give to God. I had one man come up to me and said, well, I don't agree with, with what's going on with the, with the money. What do I do about that? I said, well, sir, your giving is not predicated upon what happens with the money. I'm sorry, I'm going back. Your giving is predicated upon obeying the Bible. You give that first fruit to God. And what happens with it from there is up to the, to the pastor, but not you. You fulfilled your obligation to God. In giving, but, but you know what happens, young people? Some people will get mad with what's happening, and so they try to, to, to clench their fist, and they try not to give like they know they're supposed to give. Don't do that. Just be obedient to the Bible. Just be obedient to the Bible. You know, I'd rather have 90 blessed than 100 cursed. I'd rather be obedient with what God has entrusted me with because God's going to get his 10%. I know of a situation right now of a young lady at a church who was on disability. And she started drawing disability when she got, I believe, 18 years old. 
and never paid her tithe or anything. Pastor was telling me about this. Never paid her tithes. Just spent that money like it was an endless flow. She got a letter from the government. They were paying her too much. So they were going to have to start holding out a certain amount every week. It just so happened to be that they were holding out 10% of her check every month. God's going to get his money. I'd rather give it willingly and let God just bless. Because hear me, you're not being blessed off of how much you give. You're being blessed because you're obeying the word of God. That's Bible. Whether you give a dollar or you give a hundred thousand dollars. Blessings of God are based upon obedience, not upon dollar amounts. You just be obedient. And then those offerings, those offerings. You know, God, God doesn't have to bless off of giving what you already owe Him. He blesses the obedience. But when you give something just because you love Him, well, then the blessings of God are going to come. You know, I was about 17 years old one day. Revival service. I'd gotten a watch for Christmas. Never had an expensive watch, and it was a beautiful watch. I loved that watch. I was sitting on the front row, and the preacher was just a preaching, and he was talking about giving sacrificially. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not taking up an offering tonight. I'm just detouring. Ever, look at your neighbor and said he's detouring. I'll get back to but I just got to address this in the Holy Ghost, and we'll move on. What you do it from there is between you and God. But I was sitting on that front row, and, and he was talking about giving sacrificially. And I mean, my heart was just stirred because I wanted to give. But I was the kind of child that was always on credit with my parents. I was weeks ahead on the allowance because I was just so broke. I would just borrow, 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 typical American. And I tell you what, I was standing there going, God, I want to give something. But I didn't have anything. I looked down at that watch. I said, all right, God, and the offer plate was just about right here. And I just pulled that thing off. I mean, I got it for Christmas, and this was about February. I hadn't even worn it much, and I just went and put it in the offering plate. I said, God, that's yours. Next day, I told my mom, i got to go buy me a watch. She goes, what happened? I said, I gave it in the offering, sacrificially. She said, well, Tyler. That's not given sacrificially if you're just going to go replace it. I said, you're right. And I prayed. I said, God, I'll never buy another watch in my life until you give me a watch. That was in February. Graduated that year. In May of that year, someone walked up to me, not from our church. Just she wasn't, this, this person wasn't even in church. She came up to me. She gave me a graduation present. I opened up that little box. It was the exact watch that I put in the offering. Brand spanking new. Exact to the T. Brand exact watch. Don't tell me that God will not bless and that God will not give back. But you got to be obedient. It's part of being a Christian. It's part of being a Christian. Amen. That wasn't so bad. There's nobody bleeding tonight, is there? Amen. Hear me tonight. Many times throughout the word of God, obedience was the deciding factor between God's favor and God's judgment. 
If God tells you to do something, it's not an option. It's not an option. If God says do something, he means take care of business and handle up on it and do it. Saul was instructed to kill the Amalekites, everything they had. Kill them all. Everything that's breathing has to be dead by the time he leaves the, 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 the place of the Amalekites. You tell him, Samuel, you tell him. Samuel relayed the message. Everything, Saul, everything that would represent the enemy, everything that would represent the Amalekites has to die. It was an order. This was not up for debate. It was not up to, well, if I want to do it, it was this is an order and it has to be carried out. But Saul showed up and Saul spared the king, spared the animals. In his eyes, he had a better plan than God. Many people think they can do things their way and still be a Christian. Hear me tonight. The only way to be a Christian is to be obedient. To be obedient. And when God saw that Samuel or Saul did not obey, he confronted Samuel and in turn Samuel confronted Saul. Saul shows up or Samuel shows up and, and Saul started telling him of everything that happened. Well, I went in there and, and we took care of business, but 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 I I kept Agag. And I, I I kept the sheep and the oxen. He was he was trying to please the man of God, yet please himself and others at the same time. Some people try to please the man of God by partial obedience, but still do what they want to do anyways. Can I tell you tonight, partial obedience is not obedience. Almost hit is always miss. Almost right is always wrong. Almost heaven is always hell. Partial obedience is not obedience. If you're not going to obey the man of God, don't ask for counsel. Why waste someone's time if your mind is already made up? That's like going to the doctor. And him telling you what to do to fix the problem. And then you leave saying, he don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to go do this, this, and this. You just wasted a bunch of money. You wasted a bunch of time. Because before you walked in the doctor's office, you already knew what you was going to do. If you're not going to heed counsel, don't ask for counsel. If you're not going to obey the voice of God, don't seek the voice of God. I had a pastor one time, my former pastor before he passed away. I remember the story from when I was young, but but I went and bought the tape just to make sure I, I remember the story correctly. He said there was a woman in the church, our church back home years ago, who came to him. They were in financial problems. Said, we're, we're thinking about selling our house and moving up out of state somewhere. Would you pray about it? Sure. Take it to the Lord in prayer. If you... A little while goes by and she comes back. She said, well, we made up our mind. We're moving. And he said, well, sister, I'll just go ahead and tell you. The Lord told me to tell you this is not his will. Just be patient. Just be patient. 
She got mad. And she sold her house for $30,000. It wasn't much of a house. It was just a little building. Needed the money. Took off out of state. Six weeks later, casino came through and bought the house for $130,000 because they needed the property and they demolished the house. If you're not going to heed counsel from the man of God, don't ask counsel of the man of God. Because being a Christian means that you're just going to be obedient. And part of it is obeying the man of God. Bible says obey them that have rule over you. It didn't say agree with them that have rule over you. That's impossible. It's impossible to agree all the time. Saul was on the brink of obedience. He contemplated whether or not to obey Samuel. He contemplated whether or not kill everything. As a Christian, you've got to get rid of everything. Utterly destroy anything that is not of God. Whatever it may be, you have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of it. He teetered there. I, I could while, while blood was flying and they were killed everything, I'm sure he remembered the words of that man of God that said, get rid of everything. Get rid of everything. If it, if, if it reflects the enemy, you get rid of it. You get rid of it. Can I talk to someone who's still holding on to something that is going to bring division in your family it's going to bring hurt to your family because you won't let it go. You won't let it go. And you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to do your own thing in spite of what the man of God has told you to do. And it's bringing hurt to your family and you're trying to justify your actions. You got to get rid of it. You're on the brink of obedience right now. You're teetering whether or not to obey or disobey. What God has told you to do, you're on the brink. You're on the brink of obedience right now. I was in prayer one day. Felt like I had hit a roadblock in my own spiritual life. And I was praying, God, what has caused me to, to stagnate? What has caused me to not progress any in the spirit? I said, if you'll reveal it to me, God, I'll take care of it. And when you tell God you're going to take care of it, you better take care of it. And God showed me that you're bound by bitterness towards your pastor. I'll never forget it as long as I live in that prayer room. Begin to cry and say, God, help me. Show me. Show me. And I took me a pen and paper and I wrote down everything he did that hurt me. Everything. I wrote, I made a list of times in my life where he, he hurt me so bad. And I prayed and I fasted and I prayed some more. And I called him and I said, I need to talk to you. Come on. I went and talked to my pastor. I began to cry. I said, I'm not here accusatory. I'm here asking for forgiveness. Because I've held on to some stuff for so long. And it's eating away in me. 
I begin to go down my list of things in my own life. Things that, that I had that, that, that he had done. And 95% of what I wrote down, he didn't even know he did. Hear me. Please hear me tonight. I, I'm walking very carefully tonight. But there are people that are holding on to some offenses. And that person you're accusing of offending you don't even know they offended you. They don't even know. Oh, Hear me. There are some of you that are so upset. And I'll say this very carefully. But you, you are accusing the man of God of hurting you. And he doesn't even know he did anything. But because your vision is skewed because of past hurts, you're not seeing clearly and you're gauging everything by your hurts. Hear me, I'm, I'm talking to someone right now. I know what it's like to be bound by bitterness. Bitterness was my agac. Bitterness was what I held on to. I, I danced across the front. I shouted. I sang. I was youth pastor. But I had an agag that I wouldn't get rid of. And hear me. Don't you think agag was going to be content being a servant when he was used to being king? And that thing in your life that you don't think is going to be any problem, it'll be a king over you. It'll rise up and it'll rule you if you don't get rid of it. It'll rule you. Some of you are accusing people of hurting you. And you're isolating yourself from godly fellowship and godly influence. When I got done talking to my pastor, I was sobbing. And I traced it back to when I was 17 years old to a joke he made. Just picking. You got to know my pastor. He jokes a lot. But I took it the wrong way. And the seed of bitterness was planted. Boom. Immediately my vision was skewed. And this is what happens whenever you're bitter. Someone can come up to you and say, well, you sure do look sharp tonight. And the first thing you think, well, I don't always look sharp. It's funny, but I'm telling you, I was there. I was there. I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you what I lived through. And that Agag ruled over me. And I would shout on Sunday like we did here. But I had no liberty. I had no joy. I was always going back home. I was bound by that Agag. It had risen up as a ruler in my spirit. Why? I didn't get rid of it. I didn't eliminate that thing in my life. Hear me tonight. There are some people in this very building that you haven't eliminated the very thing that God said kill. And you may be able to go through the motions. You may be able to fool everybody. But when God says do it and you don't do it, you disobey. It's not an option. It's not an option. And Samuel showed up and he had to look like the bad guy because he took the sword and he killed Agag. He wasn't the bad guy. He was doing what God said to do. 
And people are getting mad at preachers because they get up here and they start hitting everybody right between the eyes. But if you'd have handled your business and you'd have done what God said to do, then the man of God wouldn't have had to look like a bad guy. God said it has to die. And if you don't do it, the sword will. It wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. When God said you have to get rid of it, you have to get rid of it. If you let that thing stay in your life, it's going to take over you. It's going to take over you. When I walked out of that office, I felt like a brand new convert. I'm telling you, it was like a load that just was taken off of me. And God spoke to me and said, Tyler, it's wrong to accuse someone of hurting you if they don't know they hurt you. Some people are just, they're just themselves. Well, everybody's just themselves. But, but some people have certain natures. And if you're always walking around on pins and needles, you're just looking to get hurt. Because you just stack it onto the load. But pretty soon you're out of people because you've already isolated yourself from everybody that, that loves you. And God dealt with me about that. He said, offenses are going to come. We'll be under the world because of offenses. But it must needs be that offense come. God said, look at John the Baptist in prison. And he sent people to Jesus and said, and he said, ask him, is he the one? And Jesus said, well, go tell John what you see going on here. And then you tell John this. Blessed is he. Who is not offended in me. And you have to release people from those hurts in your life. Even though they may not even ask for it. They don't have to be there to ask for forgiveness. Give me Bible. Okay. What did Jesus say from the cross? Father. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Tell you how you have to look at people when they hurt you. Father, forgive them. They don't know they hurt me. They don't know that they what they said struck hard, or struck deep in my soul. They don't know it. But I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them anyway. I, I, I didn't plan on parking here, but I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost... That, that thing in your life, that, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, if you don't let go of that, if you don't kill that agag, you will not grow in God. You will not. It's impossible. You may be able to keep coming here and, and doing all the theatrics of Pentecost, but as far as spiritual growth, you will not grow any further. It's not going to happen. You have to forgive those people. You have, to, you have to forgive them. Hear me. Forgiveness does not mean forget. The word forgive means to release. See, people say God forgives and forgets. No, God doesn't forgive and forget. If God forgot, he would cease being God because he's all-knowing. He can't forget. When you come to God, he applies the blood. That blood is a barrier whereby no, the spirit world cannot access the old man. Now, from that point forward, from that point forward, you're with a clean slate. But Jesus said, my forgiveness of your sins is contingent upon your forgiveness of other people. 
And there are people that will not forgive others. Therefore, God cannot forgive them. There was a man who owed a debt. And he went and asked for forgiveness or to be released from that debt. And the ruler said, okay, I release you. I forgive you of that debt. But that man went to one who owed a lesser amount. And threw him to be tortured because he couldn't pay that little bit amount. He wouldn't release him. Therefore, the previous ruler threw him in prison. And God said, Jesus said, this is what happens. I forgive you of your debt, which is the blood covering. When you go and you won't forgive someone else, I go all the way back to the beginning point, which was the blood, and I reinstate all of that debt or all of that sin, and I will not forgive that until you deal with all the unforgiveness in your life. Anybody with me tonight? Praise the Lord. If you don't take care of it, if you don't obey God and the Word of God, that's going to take rule over you and have dominion in your life. And God never intended for the enemy to have dominion over the child of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Being a Christian means obe being obedient to the word of God. Being obedient to the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, how do you know whether or not you're sinning? I worked with young people. Hear me. They only knew one verse in the Bible. And some of them didn't even know that verse. Obedience is not always easy. Disagreement should not stop obedience. A friend of mine one time said, if I ever own a restaurant, I'm going to name it. I don't care. Because everybody says, where do you want to go? I don't care. Hear me. You're never going to agree with everything. Man of God's going to come up here and say things and you're going to go, I just really don't see it that way. Things are going to be said between one another and you're going to disagree. But your disagreement should have no bearing on your obedience to the word of God or the man of God. Being a Christian means supporting one another. Not tearing each other down. Not exposing everyone's flaws. Not talking about everyone's garbage. Being a Christian means I'm going to help you grow in God. That's what this thing is all about. I want you to make it to heaven. And I want to help you make it to heaven. Being a Christian. Being a Christian means being like Jesus. Being like Jesus. The old song says to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. You know, here, a man of God, a man of God will have a lot of patience on someone who messes up trying to be like Jesus. Then he will, someone messes up trying to be like the world. God has mercy on people coming to him. You're going to fall, you're going to mess up, you're going to do things you probably shouldn't have done, but you're trying to come to God. But it's those that are still in the church and they're messing up and they're trying to get out the, out the church. God has a lot more patience when you're coming to him. In the Old Testament, there was the walled cities. And if you're running to the walled cities, then that city will take on the enemy for you and fight the enemy because you're coming to the walled city. But the day you decide you're going to leave the walled city, it didn't matter if there was a million people standing outside waiting to kill you, they would not 
defend you because you're leaving the place of refuge. The difference is direction. Which way are you going? Are you being obedient and making your way towards God? Or you just keep disobeying and trying to go towards the world? The difference is direction here. Which way are you going? It all starts with obedience. It all starts with obedience. Following Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow Jesus. You're on the brink tonight of obedience. You're making up in your mind. Can I talk to someone I felt in prayer this afternoon? You're making up in your mind tonight and over the next few days, you're making up your mind as to whether or not you're going to obey what the man of God has told you to do and what the Spirit of the Lord has told you to do. Are you going to walk towards the way of the world that has been eyeing? You have been eyeing it. You have been trying to get towards the world. And, and that thing in your life that you are not taking care of is starting to bring stress into your home. It's starting to take an effect upon your family because you haven't dealt with it. Just telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. You're on the brink tonight of obedience. Will you obey or will you disobey and reap the consequences? I ask of you in the nicest way possible, please obey the Holy Ghost. Please obey the Word of God tonight. Would you stand with me right now as the musicians come? Please obey. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I'm not here to come call anybody out. But I just believe the Holy Ghost has been talking to someone tonight. On the brink of obedience. You're on the brink. You know what God said to do. You know what the man of God said to do. You're at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads. Bible said that Jesus became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. He was obedient to the bitter end. He was obedient. Hear me. Obedience is a sign of submission and humility. We all have that pride factor that we think that we know what's best for our life. But I ask of you tonight, would you please obey the Holy Ghost? Would you please obey the counsel from the man of God. I don't know your situation. I, I don't want to know. But I do know what the Holy Ghost talked to me about this afternoon. You've been warring in your mind as to whether or not you want to obey the Holy Ghost or obey the man of God. Or you want to do what you feel is best for you. Before you do what you feel is best for you, I ask, would you please consider what's best for your family? Would you please consider what's best for your children? Would you eliminate pride and be honest with yourself before God? I ask of you in all sincerity tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. In the Holy Ghost, you're teetering on the brink of obedience. And I'm going to ask you the same question that came from the lips of Joshua. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Will you go the way of the world? Or will you obey the call of God tonight that is in this building? Would you grab the hand of someone next to you? 
I'm asking for some old-time prayer warriors tonight. Would you please begin to talk to God? You don't understand the heaviness on my heart tonight. You don't understand what the Holy Ghost is doing in the Spirit right now. But I ask that you would begin to talk to God as if it was your own child. As if it was your own family. Because someone's soul right now is hanging in the balance.